And as you do so, do turn with me to Exodus and uh, chapter uh, 18. Exodus chapter 18. If you were attending KBC last year, you will know that before I went on leave, uh, we were going through a series of messages entitled One Day in the Life of, and it comprised individuals in the Old Testament. We looked at 10 such individuals in the book of Genesis, and we are now in the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, so far, we have looked at three individuals, Moses, then Pharaoh, and then lastly, Miriam, in chapter 15, when she, as it were, broke off from everyone else in order to lead the women of Israel in singing the song that has been referred to as the Song of Moses. And really, it was a challenge to all of us to deliberately um, extol the Lord, to joyfully sing his praises when our own hearts are full with what the Lord has done for us. You have to bear in mind that whereas there were a lot of people in Israel, and in that sense they would have been justified in doing what this particular lady did, she had a unique testimony. She was the brother, rather the sister of uh, Moses. Moses was her brother. Uh, she had witnessed the occasion when uh, her mother, in despair, had set little Moses as a baby in a basket and left him in the river Nile. She had opportunity to see the great work of God in rescuing uh, Moses through Pharaoh's daughter from certain death and consequently even suggesting that Moses is looked after by his own mother. And Pharaoh's daughter agreed. She was part of all that. In due season, therefore, for her to witness Moses coming back from the land of the Midianites, delivering the people of Israel out of captivity, opening up the Red Sea, God's people going through safely, and finally Pharaoh's mighty army destroyed, don't expect her to be behaving herself like everybody else. She had her own unique testimony, and consequently, she burst forth in praise. And basically, that's the way it ought to be with each one of us. We have got this individual walk with the Lord, and there's no reason why we should, as it were, keep to file um, when we are in the midst of our Christian lives. Let's Let's allow that which the Lord has done for us to inspire us to express our praise to him. Well, today we're going on to consider Jethro. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. And the day we are looking at is the day in which Jethro advised Moses. And so we're reading from verse 13 of Exodus 18 all the way to uh, the end of the chapter, actually. The Bible reads there, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this? that you are doing for the people. Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you 
from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, obey my voice, and I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his, mother, of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. We've looked at this passage before, especially when at one time we were trying to grow our eldership a little more and it was difficult to convince uh, the church to, to do so and um, this was one of the major arguments that we looked at and, and basically it's the fact that as the church was growing we, we certainly needed more hands to look after God's people. So that was one angle from which we would have looked at this passage. It was the numbers and it was Moses himself. But this morning, we are looking at this passage from a different angle. And it is from the angle of Jethro. And thankfully, it is yet again a positive example for us to look at. The normal application, as I have said before, with respect to Moses, is the fact that he is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as you are seeing him delivering the people of Israel out of Egypt and taking them into the promised land, you are seeing something of the example of our Savior delivering us as sinners from the captivity of the evil one and bringing us safely into heaven. Well, that's, that's the top layer, as it were. And, but as you begin to dig more and more into the details, you begin to see that there are further areas of application that you cannot quite live with Christ himself. In other words, we cannot have a situation where anybody is advising the Lord Jesus Christ, saying to him, 
that you are wearing yourself off and therefore you need to change your modus operandi, your, your method of operation. We can't have anything like that. And consequently, we have to apply it slightly differently, though still within the context of the church. And the application that I want us to look at is that of older and more experienced believers needing to wisely counsel younger ones for their own good. I don't think you can miss that. And in this particular case, again, it's within the context of the Christian church. Um, this man, Jethro, was definitely older. He was the father-in-law to uh, Moses. And so you have to allow for a generation gap immediately. And you can't therefore miss that. He, he had within his wings, so to speak, experience as an older man that Moses no doubt did not have. And therefore he, as it were, took from that experience and used it to better the life of this younger man. And in this particular case, the context of Israel can be applied within the context of the Christian church. So what do we learn from this man that we should apply to ourselves and deliberately do so? Because so much depends on the older passing on experiential truth to those who are younger. Well, first of all, I'm applying it certainly in the context of leadership. And what you tend to find is that uh, new leaders can often have blind spots that deny them the ability to see an obvious problem. Notice I'm applying it to leadership. We can apply it to other areas as well. Those of us who have been married longer can know how we can therefore counsel those that are just newly getting into the context of marriage. Those of us who are older and single can be able again to move into the context of those who are younger and single and perhaps thinking the world is coming to an end because they are not getting married. So there are many other areas in which we can apply, but I'm, I'm trying to limit it to begin with in respect of new and younger leaders having blind spots that deny them the ability to see an obvious problem that is indeed facing them. And this is what we see with Moses as we look at verse 13. There he is, busy working away, totally oblivious of the fact that there is an obvious problem before him. We read there, as we've already read, the next day, which is the day we are looking at, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning to evening. This was approximately three months after Moses and the team had left um, Egypt. And so this was something very new that Moses was engaged in. Remember, he was not really an elected leader, and neither was he a natural leader, because up to this point, the leaders of Israel were the patriarchs. They were, as it were, descended within each tribe from those that were their fathers and grandfathers and so on. But he was the charismatic leader that had taken the people of Israel out of captivity. And in that sense, they acknowledged him as the leader. And also, they recognized that he had a special, unique relationship with God. 
And consequently, when they had issues with one another, they knew exactly where to go. He was the leader. He was solving a lot of their other problems, food and drink and living and so on. He was the right person to go to when there were civil issues between one person and the other. And so that's how he found himself in this authoritative position of dealing with matters of justice, civil justice. And there's no doubt when you come to look at this passage that he was doing a good job because, remember, uh, he, he was able to argue with his father-in-law that these guys keep coming back to me that I might be able to help them. So he was doing a good job. Justice was being served. And consequently, people would advise one another when there were complaints, one against the other. Go to Moses. He dealt this way with my issue. Go to him. He will also deal with your issue as well. So in many ways, he had become a popular leader, a popular judge, among them. It is this work that often takes place, especially with respect to, to younger people in the church when they are beginning to provide leadership. It's, it's the fact that they, they, they are zealous, they, they get things done, they are running around, and, and uh, before we know it, they uh, finding themselves in actual real leadership positions within the context of the church. And so when you have your, your ministry AGMs, for instance, they will be the ones who will garner the votes and they will inevitably be the ones who are in, in leadership. Why? People saw them. They, 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 they worked, they labored, they achieved in the course of the year. They are the obvious individuals to provide uh, leadership. And they themselves are enjoying it. There's, there's genuine fulfillment as they are serving. And so in the process, it is this that easily blinds them to what those who are more experienced, those who've served longer, are able to see as obvious problems. What was the problem here? It wasn't that justice was not being served. Justice was being served and was being served well. The problem was the all-day waiting. That's what the problem was. And we notice it in the text written very well there. And the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. Now that is a problem in the sense that individuals are being frustrated by sticking around all day. You notice it whenever there are issues of cues, and especially when the cues have to do with government regulations. So, for instance, if we're going to, to, uh, to register to vote, and then you spend the whole morning and the whole afternoon on a queue, social media comes alive soon after that. Because everybody's complaining that it ought not to be this way. Of course, they'll still queue up the following day because they know they want to vote and they need to get the voters' card. But the bottom line is, it's still this all-day waiting that drives them up the wall. But that's not the only problem. Of course, closely related to it is what I'm calling here the opportunity cost. The opportunity cost. In other words, when you spend a whole day doing nothing, 
something else suffers. Something else suffers. With respect to Moses, for instance, he was, at this point, a national leader. So by him spending a whole day simply doing one thing, solving people's interpersonal problems, no doubt there are other areas of leadership, other areas of administration that are suffering because he's not able to give them that attention. Exactly the same with the people that are sticking around the whole day. Because they are there the whole day, so many other areas of personal responsibility are suffering. So quite apart from the frustration of a whole day spent doing nothing, there's also what has suffered as a consequence. They did not have the advantage that we have today where when you're on a queue, you've got your cell phone and you've got your iPad and you're busy working away, working away while the queue is slowly inching forward. They didn't have that. And therefore, by spending a whole day that way, other things were suffering. It is this blind spot that younger and perhaps new leaders fail to see. And that's where the experience of those that have been around the block a few times comes in handy because they are able to see what those that are new on the block cannot see. So let's quickly move on then to what takes place after that. And this is, I want to repeat, where... One day in the life of Jethro should be a real challenge, a real encouragement, a good example for those of us who are older and more experienced with respect to those who are younger. You see, someone more experienced, and more unsympathetic can then engage with such new leaders and in the process help them. This is what Jethro does on this day. Remember, he's just visiting. He had nothing to lose. He could have easily just gone back to Midian and said to his wife and everybody else around there, that when I was Moses, he'll soon die. You just wait. Soon die. You can't wait like that. He could have easily done it. But no. He was sympathetic to this younger leader. And consequently, he immediately engaged him. I love the way he did it. He did it. In a sense, he was confrontational, but he did it in a way that forced Moses to think. And he did it by simply asking a question or questions. Look at our text, verse 14. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Basically, from that question, all he was saying is this. Can't you see that there is a problem here? That's what he's really saying. Eh? Moses goes into self-defense in verse 15. And in his self-defense, you can see that in a sense, he has seen the problem. But he's saying there's nothing he can do about it. There's no solution to this problem. Look at his answer, verse 15 to verse 16. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people 
people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me. And then I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. That, that's, it's a real challenge. There's not much I can do. Because they've seen me as the leader, the bona fide individual to come to, that I may resolve their problems. And indeed, I am resolving their problems. So what do I do? They are coming to me. Let's quickly go on. Because Jethro has him exactly where he wanted him to be. Number one, to accept the fact that there is a problem. And then to show that where he's standing with his experience, he cannot see a solution out of this. What does he now do? He shows Moses the long-term consequences of what's happening here. The disastrous long-term effects of what's going on here if it doesn't change. Verse 17 to verse 18. Verse 17 to verse 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Again, that's what experience does. It teaches you that as novel as the situation might be for you, I have been around the block long enough to know that a few meters down the line, a few miles down the line, a few years down the line, this is what's going to happen. We we'll have casualties here. My daughter will soon come and say that your son-in-law has died. Why? Pressure of work. He came home one day. He said he was tired. I put food in front of him. I went away. I came back. Ah, uh -uh, he hadn't eaten. I said, hey, Moses, Moses. And he just collapsed, dead. That's what was going to happen in the not too distant future if a solution is not found now. Thankfully, he ends by giving him a suggestion, a possible solution to his predicament, that which Moses did not think about, the father thought about, the father-in-law rather, and it was simply delegation. That's all. Delegation. Structure things in such a way that you only deal with the most important things. Back to our text. And this is what took longer, verse 19 down to verse 23. Now obey, sorry, now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. Again, a wise man. Although he is saying, obey my voice, he's very quick to make it clear that it's a suggestion he's giving. It's advice he's giving. And yet at the same time, he brings in God that I am convinced that your God, Moses, is going to be with you as you implement this. Ultimately, therefore, make sure 
that it is God you are obeying and not me. So he begins by saying to him, I'm not suggesting you resign. I'm not suggesting you stop doing what you've been doing. And there it is. Verse 20. Sorry, halfway through verse 19. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do, which he was doing and the father-in-law is saying, continue. However, this is the change that needs to happen. Verse 21. Moreover, in other words, over and above this, this is what you must now do. Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. And then he again brings God back as the ultimate one that must be sought. Verse 23, if you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure, so we won't have a, a Moses collapsing after a few months. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. You won't have an insurrection because people are getting frustrated. All that will be in the past. If only you learn to delegate the smaller matters to so many other Isn't this the advantage of having individuals who have been around the block a lot longer than us? As I said, they see where the problem is, but often this is where we fail, where Jethro did not fail. Jethro engaged Moses. Jethro spent time with Moses. Jethro allowed Moses to think about the situation, bring himself to the point where he was stuck. And then Jethro brought in the wisdom. This is the way in which you can resolve this matter. As I said earlier, we often don't do that. We sort of see a younger person who is burning his candle from both ends and we just say, Valakin. I've seen others do this. They are now six feet underground. You will see. That's what we often say. You tell me that I was correct. No. Brethren. If there's anything that Jethro's example ought to speak to us about, it is this. Get into the lives of the younger people. Come alongside them. Raise genuine questions concerning the way in which they are going about things. Genuine questions. Ask. And when they are busy giving answers of, well, you know, everybody's doing it, or, you know, peer pressure, or this and that, and so on, and, you know, so, so what can I do? That's good. That's good. You've brought them just to the right point. Encourage that which is positive. Encourage. And then raise that which they now can do for their own good. That's what Jethro did on this day. 
And that's what we should learn to do as well. Sometimes we are robbed of this because, as I said a while ago in another sermon, those of us who are older have this tendency of declaring ourselves to have retired. We've retired. Let the younger ones do everything. And so we are completely upset within the context of ministries, for instance. Completely upset. So we are not there to see the frustrations that are taking place in this younger context as they are failing to deliver. Yes, we see the fruit of it from time to time, and perhaps just send accusations across the, the floor, so to speak. But the ability to, to come in, to, to come alongside and, and counsel, often is where we fail. But let me hurry on because there is a good aftermath. A good aftermath. And what I want to say there is, you see, when new leaders and younger believers appreciate and apply the counsel being given, God's people and God's work profit a lot. In this particular case, Moses listened to Jethro. We read in verse 24, so Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Let me suggest to you that this was not a mere accident. Jethro had won the right to be heard. He had won the right to be heard. First of all, he was older. And as a general fact of life, younger people tend to respect the counsel that comes from someone who is older. That's number one. But number two, he was his father-in-law. His father-in-law. So you can anticipate there were a lot of MQI, MQI, as the counsel was being given, MQI, and so on. I mean, it was his father-in-law. But I think beyond all that, this older man had traveled to come and spend time with Moses. The journey was over. They had escaped Egypt. They had now settled in around the Mount Sinai. Uh, they were obviously going to continue the journey, but there were a few businesses that had to be taken care of at Mount Sinai. They had left with the clear instructions that at that mountain you will pause and worship me. Word must have gotten to the old man that they've now stopped in the journey and he specifically took the time and trouble to come and visit and see what's going on and spend time there. And he observed what was going on. He saw a whole day of his son-in-law laboring in an impossible situation. He, he, he was interested. And he expressed interest. I'm sure 
He had seen what was happening all day. And finally Moses knocked off, came home, if we can use a modern expression, kicked off his shoes, fell into the sofa, as though the whole world now should just leave him alone, leave him alone. And the father-in-law said, let's talk, let's talk. I observed what was happening. Let's talk. There was interest expressed in this younger man. I think that's where we older people often fail. It's because we are not in the lives of the younger people. We, 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 we don't visit, we don't invite them to be with us, we, we, we're not with them in the ministry to, to observe what's going on, we, we're not there, and then suddenly, like Captain America, we just show up with a shield in our hands and wanting to save the whole world. They say, hang on, hang on, Mudala, where were you? What right have you got to start speaking into my situation? Huh? Because if you could do it yourself, well, how come you did not save Israel yourself? Now that everything is going well, you now come and start talking and so on. And that's where we need a good dose of humility. A good dose of humility to ask ourselves the question, have we put a thick layer between ourselves and those who actually need a word from us. Have we put a thick layer? Which then causes them to close their ears when really our counsel is for them. Moses got to work immediately. He chose the right people, and they also soon got to work. And although the Bible doesn't tell us here, it must be pretty obvious that um, the situation came out better in the long haul. The people were happier, and no doubt Moses was happier too. And thus Jethro could now live in peace, as the last verse tells us there, he, Moses was very grateful, let his father-in-law depart, and his father-in-law went back home. He definitely did not have a disaster on his hands anymore. And all I want to say, brethren, is this. I'm speaking to the older and more experienced brethren. This day could be your day could be your day, where you have entered into the life of a younger man, the life of a younger woman, the life of a younger couple, the life of a younger leader. You've entered, you've become a friend, you've ministered, and bang, you've earned your retirement. You've earned your retirement. Many years after that, perhaps even long after you have died, the fruit of your life continues. Fruit of your life continues. Never forgotten an old, old man has since gone to glory. After I'd become a pastor, became a pastor at the age of 25, by the way, which is terribly young. When I see 25-year-olds these days, I wonder what those who appointed me were thinking. But this man always assured me of his prayers. Always did. And one day he called me. He wasn't a pastor. He had been a church elder in his church previously. 
he was working for Zembeset Insurance, he called me into his office. And as I sat opposite his table, he began to ask me questions. And as I answered and answered, he began to speak to me. I've recorded most of that speech in writing somewhere in a book. But I've never forgotten as he spoke into my life as a young pastor. And what I also remember, he had huge glasses, spectacles, thick. And I noticed tears coming under his glasses and he took them off and wiped his eyes. And after he finished, he said, let me pray for you. And he prayed. The man died long ago. I've been serving 30 years plus here. But let me tell you, I've never forgotten this older man who saw this young man taking on such a huge responsibility, calling me aside after assuring me of praying for me consistently and then giving me as it were his last words. His last words. Where are older men and older women doing this? Where? Where? Where do we have Jethro's who are not turning their backs upon young zealots? And we thank God for those who have got the, the, the cause of God on their hearts and they are running the race of the faith, providing leadership in their younger days. Praise the Lord for such zeal. But remember, it's often zeal lacking in knowledge. Where are the older ones? who are able to come alongside, see that what's happening now is going to have these consequences before long. Prayer is not enough. Let me come alongside. Let me speak into this life. Into this life. Where are you? Where are you? Brethren, that's the church. Yes, we can apply this in workplaces, we can apply this in companies, we can apply this in families, we can apply this everywhere else. But here, I want us to apply it to the church and say, be a Jethro. If Jesus has really changed our hearts, we should love the church enough to say I'll retire when I die. I'll retire when I die. Yes, I no longer have the energy that at one time I had. But I have the knowledge that comes from experience over the long haul. And therefore, I will be an older brother I will be an uncle. I will be an older sister. I will be an auntie to the, those that are coming behind. And just ensure that I share with them that which has come from my positive and yes, even my negative experiences. I will invest into these young lives. that the church of Jesus Christ may be better because the Lord had added years to my life. Many years that I could scoop 
from that knowledge, scoop from that experience, and encourage them. Let's pray. Eternal and gracious God, we thank you <clears throat> that Moses had the humility not only to listen to his father-in-law, who most likely shared these thoughts with him in private, but he also had the humility to pen them down so that today we would know that it was not his own intelligence that saved his life. It was not even a direct revelation from God as he often spent time alone with God. But it was his father-in-law who wasn't even an Israelite that knocked sense into him so that thousands of years later we would not only learn from Moses but would also learn from Jethro. Father, thank you for this one day in the life of this man. May it challenge many of us who now have so much experience in our mileage to, Lord, use it for the good of those coming behind us. We plead for this in Jesus' name. Amen.